Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 17 through our verses 7 through 21. So 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, and we'll conclude in verse 21. Our, our, our title this morning is Why Love Matters. Why does love matter? Ask yourself that this morning. Why does love matter? How many of you have ever heard the, the song by Tina Turner, What's Love Got to Do With It? Most of us have. The lyrics, a partial portion of the lyrics are this. What's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do, got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? She goes on to sing, what's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love but a sweet, old-fashioned notion? You know, you and I know that love is so much more than a second-hand emotion. Then it's certainly not an old-fashioned notion, is it? What does love have to do with it? Love has everything to do with it. Jesus made it essentially clear that you and I are to love God and love others. That's our message point this morning. We are to love God and love others. So notice what we read to, in, in, in 1 John chapter 4, beginning of verse 7. We read, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, love, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the, the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he, has, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from, from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Love, 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 love. Over and over and over, John tells us of the importance of love. He, in fact, it's mentioned about 30 times. John was like, in case you didn't hear me the first time, let me tell you again, love. It is said that when the apostle John got in, in um, his, his old age, he, he had to be carried in 
to the church house. And in there, um, when it would come time for his time to share a word, he'd have to be helped to his feet. And he would always say the same thing over and over. And he would always say, little children, let us love one another. The disciples grew weary of this, and they kind of got tired of hearing the same message over and over. So he was confronted one time and asked why he preached the same thing over and over. And he replied this, because it is the Lord's commandment. And if this is the only one, it is enough. Love for God and a love for others, two essential commands given to us by Christ Jesus, right? Notice our first point this morning. It is this, the call to love. In verse 7 again, we read, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Again, John sounds like a broken record here. Some of us are so hard-headed that it takes more than one time of hearing the truth before it sinks in, right? How many times, women, have you had to repeat yourself to your husband? Have you ever had to do that? Shasta, I know you have. There's no doubt about that, okay? How many times have you had to repeat yourself to your kids and tell them to clean their room or, or take a bath or whatever the may, Justin, not, none yet? It's coming, brother. It's coming, I promise. Sometimes it takes more than one time of someone saying something before it sinks in. And I think John realized that. That's why we see over and over it repeated that we are to love one another. And Jesus also repeated himself over and over that we need to have a love for God and a love for others. Jesus God the Father is the source of our love. We see here, love is from God. Remember, John is not talking um, universally here. He is not talking to all of humanity here. He is talking to you and I. He is talking to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that have come to faith in him. He is talking to us when he talks about the importance of us loving God and loving God. Others. The ability to love others is given to us by God, who is the source of our love. When John talks about God's love, he is talking about agape love. He is talking about um, agape love, which is God's love. It is an unconditional, self-sacrificing love. It is the kind of love that spoke creation into existence, that gave you and I the breath of life and provided a way for us to be saved from our sins. The kind of love John is talking about this morning is that kind of love, that, that, that love which comes only from God. And that love we are, we are seeing this morning has been implanted within us as well. We have the ability to love as God himself loved. Next, we see the evidence of love. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. The way we love others gives evidence of God's love in us. If you and I go through life with hatred in our hearts and vileness, on our lips, then that is a very good indication that the love of God is not in us, right? Because the, God's love, it, 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 it manifests itself in and through our lives. We should have a love for God and a love for others. John goes on to say in verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
The absence of love is the absence of God. And if you and I go through life criticizing and hating and demonizing, then how in the world can we expect those on a collision course with hell to enter into a relationship with God the Father? You know, we're all aware that the reason there is lawlessness in our streets today is because there is a lack of love in our hearts. Love does not murder. Love does not loot. Love does not steal. Love does not hate. What does love do? Love demonstrates God's love towards others by pointing the broken to a Savior who can mend one's brokenness. Yes, we see lawlessness every time we turn the television on today. As the church, we cannot demonstrate hatred toward those with, that, are, that are performing these lawless acts. We are to demonstrate love to them because how in the world are they going to come to know Jesus unless we go to them and share with them the good news of salvation? Notice our second point this morning. It is the manifestation of love. Within the next section of Scripture, we see what love is and what love means. We see first Love manifested through Jesus' life. In verse 9 we read, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. This word manifest means to come out into the open, to be made public, revealed, put on display. What What did God the Father do? He came out into the open, didn't he? He came down to this earth to dwell among us. He manifested his love toward us by coming to this earth and living a perfect life and going to the cross and dying um, in, in place of us. He died a sinner's death and he rose to life three days later. He manifested his love for us by coming and dwelling amongst us. What do we read in John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God came out into the open, didn't he? When John says that God sent his only son, it means his unique son. It means his one of a kind son. There is no one like Jesus and there will never ever be another one like Jesus. He pre-existed time. He spoke creation into existence and he came to the earth and died for our sins so that you and I might enter into an eternal life with him. Why did Jesus come? We also see here so that you and I might live through him, so that you and I could know God the Father through God the Son and make him known to others. So we see that God's love is manifested through Jesus's life. We also see that love is manifested through Jesus's death. In verse 10, we read, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Again, Even though we were God-haters and terrible sinners, God took the initiative and sent his son Jesus to this earth, didn't he? He gave up his son. He gave up Jesus. Not only did he give up Jesus, but he knew that Jesus had to go to the cross and die in our place. He had to become the sacrificial lamb to provide access and and reconciliation between broken man and holy God. That's what Jesus did. He bridged a gap between us and God the Father. 
He laid down his life so that, I, uh, so that you and I could enter into an eternal relationship with him. What a glorious picture of God's love for us. What a glorious picture of Jesus' love for his Father and us by obediently becoming the sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world. Could you do that? Would you do that? Would you give up your son as a sacrifice for those who hate you and despise you and are ungrateful towards you? Probably not, right? Only our loving God has a capacity to demonstrate love like that. Continue reading with me in verses 11 and 12. We see here how love is manifested through our witness. And beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Having received God's love, that should drive you and I towards a love for one another. It should drive us to advance the gospel across the street and around the world. A lot of us in this room are familiar with David Livingston. David Livingston was a Scottish man that went to Africa to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ back in the um, 1800s. This godly missionary once remarked, People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice which is simply paid back as a small part of a great debt owing to our God, which we could never repay? It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. He said, I never made a sacrifice of this. We ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which he, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, made, who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. In 1863, on his 59th birthday, a year before his death, he wrote these words in his journal. My birthday, my Jesus, my king, my life, my all, I again dedicate my whole self to thee. This man was responsible for advancing the gospel throughout South Africa, Rwanda, Angola, the Republic of Congo, in addition to other countries in Africa. He was also a man committed to the abolishment of slavery. He did all of this in the name of Jesus for the sake of his glory being known amongst the nation. Our love should be manifested through our witness. It should drive you and I to share the love of Jesus with other people. We also see here that love is manifested through Jesus' gift to us. In verses 13 and 14, we read, By this we know that we abide in Jesus and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. When we go as a witness for Jesus know that we do not go alone. You know, just as John sounds like a broken record when he talks about love throughout this epistle, when he talks about God's love abiding in us in the person of the Holy Spirit, that's also something that he constantly repeats himself. And we see that again right here. Just like we, we see that love gives evidence of one's salvation. 
and the gifting of the Spirit of God gives evidence of one's salvation. As a result of our salvation, we are called to testify, aren't we? And we are given the power to do that and the boldness to do that and the lack of, 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 of having to live fear-filled lives, right? We, we are to preach the gospel message. We are to preach the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are billions of people on this planet today that are on a collision course with hell. You and I have been called to take the gospel to them. There are millions of people right here in the United States that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, it seems like every single year, more and more young people that grew up in the church are walking away from the church, walking away from their faith. And what does that mean? Every year, that, that percentage of this number of people associate with Christianity in the United States, at one time, you know, in my lifetime, it was probably close to 90% of the people. Today, it is significantly less than that. And every year, it's going down and down and down. We have been called to go and take the gospel to them. Notice our third point. It's the assurance of love. What evidence is there that you and I are followers of Jesus Christ? Well, the first thing is um, our confession, right? In verse 15, we read, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. It is not enough to know Jesus or to know about Jesus. We have to confess Jesus to be the Lord of our life. We have to surrender our lives over to him, and we have to yield our lives under his lordship. Have you done that? If you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? Continue reading with me in verse 16. We read, so we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Love abides. If you came to this place this morning, and if you have, if, if you, um, have, have ever questioned God's love for you, I hope and pray that you will not do that anymore because God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He has provided a way for your sins to be forgiven. Believe in him. Surrender your life over to him. Confess him to be Lord and Savior of your life. And when you do this, you will experience God's abiding love the love of the Father, the love of the Son, and the love of the Spirit. Warren Wiersbe says, the more we love God, the more we understand the love of God. And the more we understand his love, the easier it is to trust him. You and I can trust the love that God has for us. Notice next we see love perfected. By this is love perfected with us. God's love is indeed perfected, isn't it? It's perfected in the person of Jesus Christ, and it can be perfected in us. The Greek word here for, for perfected um, means perfectly perfected, completely complete. The perfect 
complete love that has been given to us. It gives us confidence as we anticipate the days that are ahead. God's love is perfected in us. And that's important um, as we go throughout life. We can know that we have the confidence that we need to, to push through. We see in verse 17, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is coming a day of judgment, isn't there? A day when you and I are going to have to give an account for the life that we have lived here on earth. For the unbeliever, it's going to be a day of reckoning, isn't it? It's going to be a day when they are going to be condemned for their sinfulness. For us as believers, it's going to be a day in which we are rewarded for the lives that we have lived. Um, as believers, John is making it clear that we can have confidence knowing that the day that is before us is not a day that you and I have to fear. How many of you have ever watched the, the show Survivor? How many of you ever watched that? Some of us in this room have watched that. Um, but at the end of every episode, those who lose the immunity challenge have to go to what is called tribal council. Tribal council is actually an elimination ceremony where the players in the game get to vote out one of their own. Now, if you have ever watched this show, you know that there is always a couple of players following um, this challenge that are, are, are going around to other teammates trying to get into their good gracious, graces because they realize that they are on the chopping block. They realize that there is a good chance that they are going to be eliminated from the game. So they do everything they, they can to convince the fellow tribe members to vote off someone else. They fear the day of judgment. That day when they're going to be kicked out of the game. However, there, there are some players that might have what is called an immunity idol. And, and this idol means that they cannot be voted out of the game. These game pieces give a player a free pass during that elimination ceremony. So they go into that final challenge or into that challenge or on that ceremony um, with confidence because they know that no one can vote them out. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we have greater confidence than that. We can have confidence knowing that the day of judgment that awaits us as believers in Jesus Christ is not going to be a day of judgment, but it's going to be a day of reward, isn't it? For an unbeliever, it is going to be a day of judgment. For those that we love that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they're going to stand before Jesus Christ one day and have to give an account for their sins. We must go to them and share with them the good news of salvation. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have confidence knowing that if you were to face judgment today, that you would be rewarded for your faith because of your belief in Jesus? If you don't have that kind of confidence, in a few minutes we're going to have a time of invitation. It will be an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 18. We see love also provides courage. So not only does it provide confidence, it also provides courage. In verse 18, we read, there is no fear in love, 
but perfect love cast out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. As believers, we do not fear judgment, nor do we fear the future, because our future is secure in Jesus Christ, right? You know, I know that many of us have demonstrated fear during the days that we are living in today. Fear of getting the virus. And, and Tom and I were talking even before the service, the fear of spreading that virus to someone else. Fear of isolation. Fear of the unknown. There is fear that is sweeping um, throughout our churches, throughout believers as well as unbelievers, right? How many of you um, know who Howie Mandel is? Howie Mandel, he's, he's a guy, he's a game show host. He's been on uh, America's Got Talent, actor, comedian, all these other things. But if you um, know of him, you also know that he's a germaphobe, right? He, he, he can't shake people's hands. It, it, he just can't do it. Recently, he was interviewed, and I read this this week. He was interviewed, and he was asked about the current days that we are living in. And this is what he said. He said, fear is my fuel and also my poison. At the same time, he said, he likes that emotion. He went on to say, I am a product of fear. Isn't that a sad way to live your life? You know, as believers, we don't have to live fear-filled lives. We can live faith-filled lives because we have a Savior that abides in us. And we can have courage, and we can also have confidence. Notice our final point this morning, and it is this, the character of love. We love because he first loved us. As mentioned when we began this message this morning, there, there are two um, essential components to love that, that we are to have. We are to love God, and we are to love others. These two commands that were given to us by, by the Lord Jesus Christ are inseparable. As believers, this is not up for debate, nor should it be. Our love for God should drive us to love other people. We love others because of the love of God which is implanted within us. In verse 20 we read, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Folks, to say that we love God and yet hate our brothers is to live an absolute lie. You know, I think that it's real easy for us during the days that we live in to demonstrate hatred toward other people when we look at all the destruction that is occurring within some of our, our, our largest cities in, in our country. But we are not we should not have hatred toward other people. We should have compassion toward other people, right? And what does that compassion do? That compassion should drive us to pray for them, drive us to do whatever we can to help bridge that gap between um, their brokenness and the love of God. In verse 21, we read, In this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love brother. Where is John getting this from? And we've looked at this. He's going back to the very words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, we read, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So there is the love of God. And then verse 30, this is 38, this is the great and first commandment. 
and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. We are to love God and we are to love others. In Luke chapter 7, verse 47, Jesus spoke these words about, um, about a sinful woman. He was approached by the, the religious leaders and the Pharisees who were condemning him for, 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 for dining at the table of sinners. And, and whenever he, um, he, toward the end of that confrontation that he had with these, these religious leaders, he spoke these words. He said, he who is forgiven little loves little. How many of you in this room have been forgiven little? None of us, right? All of us in this room have been forgiven much. And because we have been forgiven much, we should love much as well, right? We shouldn't have a little love for other people. We should have a great big love for other people because that's the kind of love that God has given us and that's the kind of love that has been implanted in us and that's the kind of love that should drive us to share the good news of salvation with other people. Why does love matter? Because we're commanded to love God and love others. You know, this morning you may be in this place and, and love is an area that you really struggle with. Accepting the love of others um, is, is, is a struggle that you might have. And, and I want you to know that if you're in this room this morning, you are loved by God and you are loved by the church. Um, you may have a hard time um, showing love towards other people. And, and that may very well be something that you need to pray about. That, that you need to um, ask God to give you a greater capacity to love other people. It's there in your heart if Jesus is in your heart, okay? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Now, it may need to be cultivated a little bit, but you have the capacity and I have the capacity to do it. So let's reach out to others and show them the love of Jesus. Let's stand together. We're going to enter into a time of invitation. Um, when I say amen, um, I'm going to invite you to come. If you need somebody to pray with you, I'm going to be up here at the front. I'd love to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus and you want to come to know Jesus and confess him to be Lord and Savior of your, your life, I'm going to be up here and would love to share with you more about how you can do that. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you again, Father, for this mor morning. Thank you for our time of worship. Thank you for your word, the truth of your word. Father, um, clearly, the, the church that John reached out to had a hard time with love. And so he had to repeat himself over and over to help them understand the need to love. And, and sometimes, Father, we're a little hard-hearted ourselves, and we need someone to remind us of the importance of being loving toward other people. So, Father, help us to do that. Give us, Father, um, help us to cultivate our hearts to be more loving toward other people. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that does not have a relationship with you, I pray that they'll come to know you this morning, confess you to be Lord and Savior of their lives and repent of their sins. I pray, Lord, that you will just move.
during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. You come.